Have you ever walked out of a mall into a huge parking area and realized you'd forgotten where you'd parked your car? Ever gone mountain biking? What do you want to be when you grow up? What's the right tip? Have you called a plumber to your home lately? These and other questions are available in Beyond Belief, hosted by TV's Jonathan Frakes. I don't know if you've ever seen the the compilation. It's quite the thing. It's like a a really slightly toxic first date of of a dude who's been told that he's supposed to show interest by asking questions, and he's just <laughs> doesn't stop to listen for the answers. I mean, but it's it's Riker, so he, like it's a first date. So he will actually that the girl will give him a second date clearly because he's Riker. Yeah. <laughs> you have the bridge number one. Welcome to the A to Z of happiness with Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. Join us as we unpack the science of happiness one letter at a time. This week, it's Q for questions. There's something about taking a moment to pause and whether it's with yourself or with another and to break habits, to notice possibilities, to have curiosity. I think we all thrive when we experience someone being interested in us. And, you know, Socrates famously said, you know, the unexamined life is not worth living. Um, so, so today, a very simple thing happened that <laughs> nearly made me well up. Oh, babe. Um, in a really wholesome, kind of beautiful, warm way. Oh. In that, um, so I'd, I'd, gone on, I'd gone on a big long walk and then I saw a sign for a new shop and it would uh, it was uh, the shutters were down and someone uh, had painted in what is obviously going to be the brand colors mm-hmm. uh, on this shop um the words it's going to be fine cheese and wine <laughs> <laughs> um so in yellow we've got it's going to be fine and then cheese and wine and i just i took a photo of it and i thought that's nice you know it's it's what we can learn from that is it's going to be fine and then i started thinking about that mode that we can get ourselves into when we are curious and when we're open and when we're looking around mm. and when we're observing and, and wanting to take stuff in and how nourishing and, and how joyous that can feel when you're in that mode of expansion and looking around rather than sort of being inward and it made me think about the song uh, a song that i'd written a couple of months ago that I hadn't realized how much of it I'd written to myself. Oh, wow. Like, the words in that song, I had not realized I was writing it for me in three or four months later, and it gave wow. me goosebumps. <laughs> oh, my God. Because they're very simple lyrics, but it's about looking around and listening and seeing what's around you and taking note and and uh and things might just be fantastic if you do and it was like oh my word (laughs) so there was a message there from from your past self to your future self turns out yeah yeah and it's because it's you know this idea of being able to to notice and inquire to have that kind of little gentle rub or friction in our brain that makes us want to know something more. I think that's the thing. I think, you know, you're talking about, you know, being expansive rather than contracted. You know, if you think about the contracted position in our lives, it is very protective. It's defensive. Um, And I think I've mentioned in the last episode about Will Storr and the science of storytelling, you know, how we are up until a certain age, we are really curious you know, I was I was watching a video by Big Think 
on on questions and saying, you know, how the average four-year-old asks hundreds of questions in a day. You know, mm. it's, it's part of the world-building mechanism that we have and how, you know, through schooling, actually, well, people end up, you know, asking fewer and fewer questions because it's less about being inquiring and more about being reten- of retaining information, of passing tests. And again, you know, when you think about the, the Will Store idea of how we are uh, mappers of the world through all these questions, through this, this process of internalizing the world around us and creating an internal replica, at a certain point, we stop asking questions, you know, and I'll touch on this in one of the coming upcoming prompts, because we don't want answers that might disrupt what we believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop looking inside my soul. Move on. It's, 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 it's funny enough, one of the prompts which I originally had this morning, but I just I thought it's just too too hard for people is, what is the question you're avoiding asking yourself? Yeah. You know, Cause there, and there is, there is this aspect. That, I think so. I'm sorry. I, I, I think that is so... <laughs> apt for the communities that we are in because you know both of us live in one or more communities that are about coming up with ideas trying to make money from them Mm. and that is a that is a whole thing of what question are you avoiding because actually you don't want to get the answer well no one really needs this because you think it's a great idea and you want to make the thing but actually you're afraid to ask the question or, or you're afraid to ask it of enough people or the right people because you're afraid that you then you're not going to be able to make the thing because actually no one needs it. Well, actually, I think, you know, ne- the next episode is going to be R for relationships. And I think not asking questions because you're afraid of the answer is something that happens a lot in relationships, mm. you know, and there can become this tacit silent contract. I think I've mentioned it before, you know, if you don't, ask me about this, I won't ask you about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this whole thing of, you know, there's only the truth that we can bear. And so there is a certain, so it does take, you know, moving from a position of contraction and protection to this sense of knowing that you will be okay regardless and moving into an expansive phase. You know, even as I'm talking now, I can feel my body shift. I'm opening my arms, opening my hands as if I can embrace what is coming before me. And, you know, being able to, there was a track, I, uh, a talk I listened to years ago. I won't be able to dredge it up now, unfortunately. It really, really frustrates me because I've tried in the past. I was going to say, it's surprising for you. I, I know, it's surprising for me. I can, I can even see the screenshot of what the screen looks like with the MP3 on it. Very annoying. But it talks about how, you know, the opposite of fear isn't courage, but curiosity. Mm. And I think, you know, being able to cultivate... I think it requires a sense of safety and security to be able to, not always, but to be able to ask oneself, you know, what if, why, how? How, <laughs> how I think is a big one, actually, because we often ask ourselves if, yeah, if, and, and actually if you, if you take an if question and you turn it to how, it, because the problem with if is it, it already carries the possibility of a negative. Mm. Um, 
Whereas, you know, is this possible versus how is this possible? Because it already supposes that it is. So it's then much more practical in a sense or pragmatic about, okay, how do we actually do the thing that we're saying? We haven't figured out whether it's possible yet. We're not going to worry about that. We're going to assume it is, but we don't know how yet. And yeah. Yeah. And, and and from what I know of design thinking, you know, it is very much this idea of, you know, of framing things as how, mm-hmm. you know, to build that positive momentum and overcoming the negativity bias which assumes that everything that's gone on before is how things are going to perpetuate and this is why you know I do love you know there's a great quote by Warren Berger the author of A More Beautiful Question and he says you know one he came across what he says is a great definition of questioning as questioning enables us to organize our thinking around what we don't know and I do like that this idea of acknowledging that because there is this thing of, you know, some people might be very afraid to ask questions for fear of looking dumb, for fear of, yes. you know, I will often say, you know, okay, I'm going to, you know, I've got a dumb question upcoming, you know, and I'll say that. And then the other person will go, that's not a dumb question. That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah. The amount of times people actually go, that's a really basic question. It's like, no, people, people tend not to because your questions usually are either not basic in a sense or fundamental uh, i would often mm. say and and you know you're getting to the fundamental understanding of a thing often when you ask a, a question and that's it's really useful yeah yeah and in the same big think video which is going to be in the show notes you know i think it is tim ferris talks about malcolm gladwell's father being a mathematician and having no intellectual ego and so he will he will constantly ask someone say you know would say to someone i don't understand can you explain it to me? And mm-hmm. just repeat that. And actually, and isn't that you know a wonderful thing? Because so often, and again, this happens in work contexts. It happens in interpersonal, personal relationships as well. You know, what, not wanting the other person to think that we don't understand. You know, mm-hmm. almost wanting to, even if we don't, not wanting. Or actually, what's often worse is we assume that we do, and we actually don't. <laughs> i've probably got this i probably get what's happening here yeah i'm sure i haven't misinterpreted it (laughs) and particularly in in this day and age when so much communication is mediated through things like text through voice messages you know we all bring this hinterland of of belief and memory and assumption you know we we look at the world through lenses assuming that we have 2020 vision and yet you know we cannot you know we cannot see it's like the 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 goldfish in the in the in the water you know they can't see the water they're swimming in Mm -hmm. you know in a lot of ways one of the great things about asking ourselves questions is because it's 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 the twofold thing yes it's asking questions of other people there's asking questions of ourselves just being able to if not see fully the cognitive blinkers or the emotional blinkers that we have, the things that are distorting the way that we see the world. And I don't mean distorting in a bad way. You know, there are things which it's, it's inevitable, you know, once you get to, to any kind of age to, to have things which color your viewpoint. But being able to know that they are there, really, to mm-hmm. recognize that, oh, okay, I'm looking at this a certain way. You know, I, I love 
the Brene Brown, you know, shares one of the most helpful things her therapist said to her as, as, as a question, you know, as, as, a, as a device to get around these things. The story I'm telling myself is because we don't see it as a story. We don't see it as a narrative. We just say, OK, this person is doing this thing. Therefore, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> and inevitably, the dot, dot, dot means something negative about us. Yep. Because, you know, I think the majority of people in the world, maybe not all, but the majority of the ones who have crossed paths with, if you get them in a quiet moment, will admit that they fear that they're not enough, that they're not lovable, they're not going to make it, they don't deserve the good things in life, et cetera, et cetera. And so we are always going to be predisposed. There are ways around these things, but we can often be predisposed towards seeing the world in a way which confer- confirms our worst fears about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And this can make us feel reticent about asking questions because we are afraid of having more evidence that reinforces that self, that self-belief, that self abandonment almost so what we need to do then is uh i guess ask good questions taking take a a coaching approach and and just whether it's ourselves asking questions or or listening listening for others asking questions and then yeah stopping and listening and seeing what comes back yeah because it's a long you know this idea of you know when we work with coach and you know both of us you know offer those skills to others it is this idea of taking someone to the doorway of their own knowledge. I think that's Cahill Gibran. You know, it's using these, these these questions to help people to find because we get in grooves with our thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and actually, it's just a way of just nudging people out of those grooves and just finding, oh, there is something else here. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the lovely questions that I have on a little post-it note somewhere near here is from Pema Chodron um, which I found through Josie George's book A Still Life um, you know, what else is true and I think you know that just in and of itself you know you talk about that expansion thing <laughs> so funnily enough I've got I've got an image of a corn uh, of a cornfield and being <laughs> in a not necessarily a tractor but being in a lower vehicle a, a yes. vehicle that's lower to the ground mm-hmm. uh and you've got this huge you know these huge ears of corn and so when you're in that field all you're seeing is that furrow yeah. and that's all you've got but isn't it amazing to be able to zoom out and actually see goodness me there are so many rows either side that mm. i don't have access to because there isn't a way for me to leap across to the other furrow but man there's so many but we just we don't see them because we're we're going down the uh the the the, the pass into the the little hole in the death star we're just in that little gully <laughs> yeah. so that we can shoot our little pew pew into the into the hole in the death star but actually there's loads of these little valleys uh if we only uh zoomed out and um and took a look I mean, as you're talking, interestingly, the mental image that comes to my mind is the one which uh, Anita Morjani talks about. And she is, I, I can't remember the title of her book, but she is, she was on her deathbed. She had cancer with lumps all over her and she had an out of body experience. And she came back and she talks about it that being in a 
dark in a warehouse, in a black warehouse. And we have this little torch, which is our light of consciousness. And she talked about her experience when she was in that, 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 that state where she was listening to the doctors, talking to her family, seeing what they were doing to her body, you know, having the sense of, of all of a sudden, all the lights in the warehouse came on. All of a sudden, she saw everything that was available, everything that was, uh, uh, that, that, that was, that was in there. And I think, and then she said, you know, when she came back into her body, you know, it came back to that little light, that little, well, it is that light of a consciousness, really, you know, that we're talking about in those things and being able to, and I know that you're, you're, you're exploring this yourself, you know, how can we elevate our position so that we can realize that it is not inevitable that the groove we are in must in turn become a rut and that other things are within our grasp. That's very much my current area of study. <laughs> so let us let us move this into uh, into into the practical then. And we, we the, the first of our of our three prompts here is um, how often do you stop to ask yourself meaningful questions or a meaningful question? Yeah, because I think you know we've mentioned before how we tend to live our life on autopilot and expect what's you know past performance to predict future <laughs> whatever and stuff. Mm-hmm. And how we can only ask ourselves, you know, the questions that that really we want to be able to answer. And I just had a, I just had a weird image. Sorry, um, thinking about grooves and ruts. Uh, mm. I used to have a weird. I used to get really unsettled as a kid and unnerved. And I think there's a, there's a bit of me that still is by mm. stuck records. Um, Ooh. Yeah, it used to really sort of set me on edge, and and I really kind of yeah Mm. it's creepy Uh, there's something creepy about it but i was just thinking about asking the question what would happen if you just because there's um there is a beatles record that has an infinite groove on it i think it's uh, is it abbey road i can't remember it's one of the later albums and it's got uh it's probably sergeant peppers actually and it's got Mm. a an infinite groove uh, and oh, wow. so he would keep playing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I was wondering about ruts and grooves and how long would it be for you to be in that rut or that groove before you actually wear the record out? And that's the, that's the mm. consequence because people can sit in a rut or a groove and think, that's fine. Like, I'm fine where I am. But at some point, either the needle's going to wear out or the, <laughs> or the record underneath you is going to wear out. Like, you can't exist in that space forever because it mm. is going to, you know the world around you is going to change and you know if you don't get out of the rut now at some point the rut's going to get out from under you (laughs) yeah absolutely and I think you know and it is this interesting thing of because I think one of the reasons why people come to coaches is because there is something that isn't working in their lives that they want to change it's very, I would imagine it's very rare for someone who's in that that groove slash rut and going, well, no, everything's fine, even though like everything is like burning around them. Yeah. Because it, it takes that kind of openness, that uh, desire to experience something different without it being guaranteed to be better. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, and actually, you know, it is these things where, you know, there's loads of books, I'm sure, on Amazon with like lots of like daily prompts to suggest things and, and calendars and things. But just having 
you can kind of use anything as a prompt. You know, mm. I, I think a couple of my friends use tarot cards, you know, and I've got a couple of decks myself. And it's not so much the, the divination aspect, although, you know, that is always interesting. In a way, you are asking for what a question, a good question can do or a good prompt can do is to, <laughs> and it's really funny, I've come up with this image, it puts a different kind of coin in your jukebox so another Ooh. track plays. Ooh. That's, that's the image that was coming into my mind because, mm -hmm. you know, we tend to play, have a soundtrack to our existence, a soundtrack to our lives. Certain songs are always playing, you know, I, you know I, I'm not lovable, I'm not enough, things are always going to be this way, I'm too old, etc., etc. You know, it's kind of like we have this, this radio playing in the background of our minds, as Russ Harris would put it. Mm -hmm. And having a good question, a good prompt, you know, can force us to jump the needle from a track they were always playing onto something new. Yeah, it's like Fonzie banging the jukebox to make it, it work again. It is, exactly yeah. like that. Hey. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about using quite, you know, slightly more esoteric ways, but <laughs> there are... There are a number of science-based happiness questionnaires available as well. And even mm -hmm. just the, the, there'll be a link in the show notes for a page which has got a full explanation and lots of them and lots of links. But even then, just going through the questionnaires and getting the results, again, it's just making us think about things that we may not ordinarily think about in our day-to-day -day living. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm usually thinking, okay, well, I'm going to have a dinner. <laughs> what or you know what what am i what am i going to watch tv tonight you know mm -hmm. all all these kinds of things very basic kind of it's, uh, practical survival questions you know but even you know no matter how old you are just kind of like this idea of you know so how what makes you happy or you know what do you what do you want to be when you grow up yeah you know and talking to that inner child within ourselves that aspect within ourselves that still excited or youthful or wants to make and wants to grow and building a relationship again you know one of the things I like about questions and good questions is how they can deepen intimacy and deepen a relationship but only if they are of, of a level which facilitates that mm -hmm. you know and I think you know that's what the next prompt really touches on you know what would you love to be asked or ask about you know, because there can be aspects of ourselves which can be unwitnessed or unexpressed. That makes me think that's a lovely <laughs> uh, first sort of icebreaker question. If you if you know you're in a sort of safe space with a with a few people, this feels like the kind of thing you wouldn't necessarily do when you're just going to hang out with people for a 45-minute webinar, but you're going to hang out over a number of weeks. I mean, I'm doing a stand-up course next year. Oh, yes. And it's the kind of thing that I think it's a really great question to ask people who don't yet know each other that well. Like, what do you wish people? Because uh, you know, one of the I think one of the the formulas of that, or one of the the sort of yeah uh, versions of that, is like, what do you wish more people knew about you? Mm -hmm. But I also like yeah this this question of what would you love to be asked? What what do people not ask you that you would love to be asked? And I think that's that's really fun and revealing. Because I think it's, there's also an element of the platinum rule in this. Ah, yes. You know, the golden rule is treat others as you wish to be treated. The platinum is treat them as they wish to be treated. Yes. And there's a certain sensitivity and, 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 and kindness 
to it to allow someone yeah as you say in that kind of situation being able to say given the the permission actually as much as anything else the permission to say actually you know I'd really love someone to ask me how my sewing project is going Mm. you know or I'd really love someone to ask me you know about about my son you know Mm -hmm. and it's all these kinds of being able to share you know the things that we may be really proud of or or even you know conversely you know in longer term relationships actually I think this can be a really interesting question because again we end up so blinkered and just seeing the image of the person that we have rather than the person themselves you know, get, you know, over, you know, over dinner one night, it's almost like there's a, a lovely bit in um, Titna Han's book, Pieces Every Step. And I think he talks about, you know, asking, you know, your, your son or your daughter, or your partner, whoever, you know, how can I love you more? Mm. Being able to be say, you know, honey, you know, is there anything that you wish I would ask you about? As a, as a door, as a, as a way to open a door towards, you know, a deeper form of connection, because, you know, so many of us have trouble asking for help mm-hmm. and require other people to notice. And it's and there's this quote by David Osberger, which I do keep joking that there's a, you could do a bingo card with me. There's like about half a dozen different quotes, which I, it, it's almost like I, I think you shouldn't play to the drinking game because you would get <laughs> drunk. But this this quote is lovely. It's um, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person they are almost indistinguishable. And I think, you know, being able to invite someone to share and open themselves like that, you know, what would you, how would you, what would you like me to ask you about? And then, you know, kind of following up with a question which seems so simple, but I actually had to, because I'm not nat- naturally a very good conversationalist. Now, I've done a lot of reading and research mm. to come up with these things. And when I came across this line, you know, and I'm sure it was in some kind of like dating context, mm-hmm. you know, so if you want to make a guy light up, you know, get them to share what they're interested in and then say, what's important to you about that? You know, and I think it depends on the tone of voice and the things, but it is that yes. thing of, because, you know, the, if, if you say, well, what's important to you about that? You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> it, it, it's dismissive. But, you know, but the intention there is to say, you know, I want to get to the heart of what it is that draws you to it. Yeah. And, you know, this idea of being able to sit down with someone and, and even if you don't use those exact words, you know, say to them or communicate to them in a way that says, you know, this is important to you you are important to me. Therefore, help me to understand why it's important to you so I can love you better. It's the more tolerable version of, can we just drill down into this? Or the more <laughs> despicable, can we, I just want to double click on that. <laughs> oh, people surely don't say that, darling. Uh-huh. No. Uh, they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some sad to report uh, that people do talk about double-clicking on things in a conversational context. Wow, I that's that's I know my my tiny mind is blown. (laughs) Not even in a fun way. Not even in a fun way. (laughs) All right, moving things along then. Uh, Number three, how can we ask a better question than um, double-clicking on that? (laughs) and yeah i mean there are loads of loads of books on this already because a lot of it comes under 
Not always, but generally comes under, you know, how to make better conversation, how to make more persuasive conversation, or how to do better marketing and mm. more business questions and interviewing and things. More business. More business. But, you know, that's the general advice is, you know, asking things that can't be answered with either a yes or a no. You good know, the, journalism questions. Good journalism questions. You know, the whole who, where, what, when, how, and why. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, you know, for me, and just mentioned about the tone thing, about, you know, what's important to you about, about that. For me in particular, and you've touched on this already, using, a, using why can be quite helpful in the right context. You know, there's something like the, the five whys method, which has been somewhat debunked, but, you know, to drill, to drill down, you know, so why, so why, so why, so why is that Oh, in happening? terms of uh, debunked in terms of that it, it might not have happened the way people suggest it happened in a car factory in Japan or whatever. Uh, no, I think more, more in a kind of that, that actually it can over-focus on there being one uh, oh. fundamental issue for something when actually it could be an interplay of things. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think it, it, yes, that 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 requires judicial application or judicious application of that. Because uh, another mm. approach that I was um, thinking about this morning, or that this book I've been reading got me into, was mm. using the Matryoshka doll. You know the uh, the oh. Russian doll thing as a as a similar uh, yes. idea, and actually viewing the doll itself, and then taking that one and seeing the smaller doll inside, and you know. But then again, that presupposes that there is one nucleus. Yeah. Whereas actually, if you look at an onion, there is no center of an onion. It's all just more layers. <laughs> it's literally just more layers. Yeah. And the Japanese five whys, you at the end of it, you've like, I've got, I haven't got anything in my hands anymore. <laughs> I've taken all the layers away and there's nothing because all the onion was, was layers. There's no nut of an onion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think actually yeah. that's... Got myself also frustrated there. Mm, I don't. <laughs> it's, 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 it's fine. We, we, we welcome everything here. Um, <laughs> But I think it's also this idea of difference between complicated and complex. Oh, yeah. Because if something is complicated, then you can drill down to maybe one particular thing that is the root of all of it. But complex, it's the interrelationship of different things. And so you can say, yes, it's the, it's this, but it's also this, but it's only this when this happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is, but I think I loved it when you mentioned earlier about m- moving from if to how, mm. you know, because I think that can be much more empowering because I think one of the other dangers of why when we are in a negative mindset, I think it's, it's really helpful when we're in a feeling well-resourced, well-supported, we have someone who can then shift us into how, you know, and I think this is where you know, kind of shifting gears slightly, you know, when we talk to people and trying to elicit how they are, it can be quite challenging sometimes because things are complex rather than complicated. You know, if you ask me right now, you know, how, how's, how's life? How are things? The social etiquette answer is, oh, yeah, no, they're fine. The correct answer to the question, how do you do, in terms of etiquette, is, is how do you do? You're not supposed to. <laughs> it's, it's, this is, you know, yeah. one of those things yeah. in polite society. The genuine answer, because it's not a question, it's a greeting. Um, yes. How do you do? You're supposed to respond, how do you do? Or, you know, how do you do? Or, yeah. uh, or just hello or, or, you know, tip of the hat or whatever. 
uh in you know in england you're not supposed to answer that actual question well yeah and even you know the the, you know, the basic question which sounds like it is much more of a question of how are you mm-hmm. is is really just kind of like oh you yeah i i, I uh, acknowledge your presence I actually want to know yes. what your presence is, is like experientially like right now. <laughs> I mean, the amount of times like me and my brother will, we can go off on some, some big, long and interesting tangential conversations over the phone hmm. while he's driving to work and I'm sat here and it will always start with, and we could have been texting for hours hmm. throughout the day hmm. and we've got our family text channel, or whatever, and we're still open with, how are you? Yeah. yeah doing all right. You know, it's, it's, it's the same script. How yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Doing all right. Kids. All right. Yeah. They're all right. Okay, we've done that. Okay, that's that's done now. Now we can, now we crack on, and it is mm. it's, it's it is really just the. I think it is showing care in a sense, but it's not showing that sort of inquisitive. Like I, yeah, I really want to get into it, and uh, luckily uh, for for me and for the listener, you have some um, helpful alternatives. I do, I do. There's in particular there's a, there's a book I love, uh, The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay Stanier. It's quite old now, I think, but. And, and there's like there's a whole set of questions. Like I was so nerdy, and I even remembered which notebook I jotted down the questions in. And there's like brilliant, You're a pro. yeah, like apps. That's you know, it's like the awe question, the focus question, the foundation question. You know, the strategic. You know, it's, so it's all very kind of like work orientated. But I really mm-hmm. love just like the very opening one, which is you know just what's on your mind. I think just has the that that thing of just because it's almost. Yes, it might be if you've called someone in to have a have a or someone's asked to have a chat with you about something, you know, a specific issue or problem or whatever. And just, you know, if someone is being un, un, uh, usually quiet or seems preoccupied. Penny for your thoughts. Exactly, mm. exactly. It's just kind of, yeah, you know, what, what's on your mind? As, as, as a nice as a nice gentle opener one and two the, the, the second one i've used i've used a lot actually mm-hmm. as as part of my um previous time doing a lot of facilitation for a not not-for-profit and it is how is your internal weather and i think you know it's been really interesting to use this you know when i when i was facilitating in real life actually because it's not just because it's, it's it's basically saying this, asking the same sort of thing of you know how you know how are you how are you feeling? I think the layer of abstraction is what is useful there because yeah. it's it puts a really useful layer in between your feelings and how they might be interpreted or what the expectation is. Because I think part of what's useful about that there's nothing to be done about weather. Yeah. From you know weather doesn't happen at us. Uh, we you know. And so someone else's weather is not our responsibility to change. Mm. Whereas if you say, I've just had a difficult conversation with my partner, I think there is, you know, if you're a well-meaning person, there's, you probably mm. think, I'm, I, am I supposed to dig into that now? Like, mm. is, that, is that what the conversation's about? Whereas if it's, I'm feeling a bit stormy, difficult conversation but you know there, there is that that useful sort of armor of or that that layer of it being this is simply the the description or this is the outward facing sort of manifestation of what the issue is without us feeling then that we've got to fix it because you can't fix the weather 
Yeah, and there's also, you know, an aspect of weather as being primarily transitory, you know, certainly, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously, I've got a bit of a bias. And I think maybe you have as well being in the UK where we can, <laughs> you know, a crowded house put it we for seasons. seasons in one day, yeah, in one yeah. day, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, and so just recognizing there's an almost uh, an element of this of no, ba- no matter how stormy that weather is, it these storms will pass mm-hmm. and and also you know if the weather is glorious you know encouraging us to to really savor it and bask in it but yeah and i think you know you're right about that abstraction having that one removed but also it helps the speaker as well because you know we it's 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 you're basically telling a story you know sometimes someone will just might say oh you know i'm very i'm very stormy or very sunny you know, if you ask me, you know, like 30 seconds later, you're going, wow, this is a Hallmark movie. You know, I'm saying about, you know, there's a storm on the edge of here, it's rolling here, but it's sunny here, you know, but there's still like damp patches where it was raining earlier. And then, you know. A ridge but- of low pressure heading in from the east. <laughs> and it's like about four o'clock in the afternoon. You know, it's like you get like a whole picture. Yeah, the shipping forecast. Yeah, pretty much, you know. But also, actually, it's really interesting when I've done it in person, you know, having someone say, you know, with crossed arms mm. and a dour expression, yeah, no, I'm feeling sunny. Mm. And just actually noticing, you know, particularly as a facilitator, you know, getting a read on on someone just from how they even respond to something like that. And then I think the last question, you know, to do it in, in, in this prompt, you know, is how is your heart feeling? And I think this one is you know, kind of going from like, you know, someone who we work with, you know, someone who we are to someone who we might be spending some time with, maybe, you know, in a session. But I think, you know, how is your heart feeling is something, a beautiful question to ask someone who we have deep relationship with or want to foster a deeper relationship with. Because again, you know, you're kind of moving into that most personal, most intimate space of of one's heart and actually you know asking someone how you know about that specifically you know yes it can be like a, a level of abstraction or my heart is feeling heavy or light or whatever but it also helps the it's an invitation for that person to to take a to take a moment to take a beat and place their hand on their chest and go okay how is my emotional self doing right now what is going on inside me what would potentially be of comfort right now there's also this is a a a different uh, a different tack but a Mm. question that's occurred to me and i i wish i would remember to answer to ask this more Mm. which is if i could wave a magic wand what would i like to be different just in a, you know, in a, in a, as I say, it's, a, it's it's not an icebreaker question, but if you're stuck with a situation that you want to help someone with, a transition, that, you know, a, 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 yeah, a, a, a place that you, or a transformation that you're trying to move people from and to, mm. just asking that question of like, effectively in an ideal world, but by by making it magic, it's like it removes all of those potential barriers and just saying it in a magic way. If you could wave a magic wand, what would be different? Yeah, I don't know. I think this this. There's something that I obviously connected it to with in terms of of how your heart's feeling, but uh, that connection I'm not entirely sure uh, well, it's as solid as it as it as it was in my brain originally. 
But actually, I, if, if, it's, if I may, I can make Please. a connection because that question of, you know, if I had a magic wand, it's often used in acceptance of commitment training as a way to establish someone's values. Mm. And the way that I think of values is, you know, very much from, you know, Dr. You know, Russ Harris and his idea of, you know, your heart's desire for who you want to be in the world. Mm. You saved it. Thank you. You're very welcome. This is why we make such a good team, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> why don't you close us out there, Anya? I will do. And right now, you know, if you've been listening to this and feeling your own energy around questions and the kind of questions that you may or may not want to uh, answer in your life or the kinds of questions that you might want to ask others, it felt only fitting for me to invite a question which often comes after these other questions of you know perhaps what's on your mind you know how's your internal weather or even you know how's your heart feeling you know if you've asked yourself those questions during these last these last few minutes with each other I'd love for you to ask yourself right now what do you need right now to best take care of yourself because I think this can be one of the hardest questions sometimes and also one of the most important ones to answer because if we are not attentive to our own needs how can we be fully resourced to love and meet another person's the a to z of happiness is presented by anya pierce and me mark steadman it's produced by origin and you can find us at a to z of happiness.com where you'll also find links to the things we discussed. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them, whichever way is easiest for you. Take care, and do join us again next week on the A to Z of happiness.